0: Welcome to the Hotzy Totsy podcast. Hotsi Totsy is a membership club for women from all walks of life who like the finer things in life to come together and enjoy bespoke events in the magical nooks and crannies of London town, all with an Art Deco nod. This podcast will introduce you to some amazing and like-minded characters who love the golden 20s and 30s era and Art Deco movement as much as we do, as well as profile our wonderful Hotzy Totsy members. In this episode, I am really excited to be joined by two wonderful guests. Firstly, author, speaker, historian, and chair of the Art Deco Society, Lucy Jane Santos, joins me to talk about her love for all things Art Deco and what she's working on at the moment. We then catch up with wonderful Hotsi Totsia Catherine Spencer-Smith, aka Dr. Kath, all about her career and her dedication to working with doctors to grow their practices through her company, Private Practice Ninja. Hello, I am really thrilled to be joined by the wonderful Lucy Jane Santos. Now, I got to know Lucy um, earlier this year when she came and did an incredible talk for Hotsy Totsy, all about the history and nightlife of London. And it was absolutely fascinating. And Lucy is obsessed with 20th century history. She's the chair of the Art Deco Society and is such an interesting woman to boot. So hello, Lucy, how are you? Hi Karen, it's
1: lovely to see you again.
0: Lovely to see you my love and and when we're recording this we're just on our way to Christmas aren't we? We're limping through and we're just saying how incredibly busy this time of year is isn't it?
1: i very glad that this isn't actually being recorded because the light today is just showing up every single one of the days of this year. <laughs> yeah,
0: I love that phrase. I think I can speak, I mean, you look lovely, but I do not. I think we both uh, we both look better, haven't we? Let's be <laughs> honest. <laughs> but there we go. We're keeping it real. And, you know, just for the, you know, imagine we're in a gorgeous ball dress and lipstick with a with a glass of gin and tonic for those listening. <laughs> um, Lucy, so... Tell us about your incredible breadth of, of what you do. You know, you, you give talks, you, you write books, you're on a podcast, you're now the chair of the Art Deco Society. How do you fit it all in for one?
1: Good question. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I do do a lot. I'm, I tend to be, I get very fixated on stuff and I'm very fixated on 20th century history. And every time someone asks me to do something, I tend to say yes, <laughs> which is um, how I find myself in this predicament. Um, but I, you know, I like I said, I, I I've written written one book that was published in 2020. Um, I am chair of the Art Deco Society. Um, uh, and yes, I, I give lots and lots of talks and I'm on quite a few podcasts as well. So I tend to get a little bit bored of the sound of my own voice and I'm sure a lot of other people do as well.
0: <laughs> absolutely not, absolutely not. And 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 I just want to go back a bit. So obviously 20th century history is your passion, is your love, and you've got sort of layers underneath that where you really go in. Um, how did it come about? Where did this uh, interest spark and, and how?
1: Well, again, that's that's, Not actually as straightforward as I would probably have liked to have expected originally. Um, I used to be an ancient historian. So my undergraduate degree was Egyptian archaeology. So if we'd have had this conversation 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been doing it like this. Um, I would have said, yes, I'm an uh, Egyptian archaeologist and this is what my interest is. And then somewhere along the line, I suddenly sort of scooted into the 20th century and haven't read. Really, well, I was about to say I haven't looked back, but that's a terrible thing for a <laughs> to say. But also, I do actually still work on ancient Egypt as well, but I work on its interpretation in the 20th century now. So I do a lot of stuff around Egyptomania, that sort of period of history when everyone was wild about Egypt.
0: Yeah, and it really was, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know obviously that much about it, but growing up, Egypt was seen as this magical, mythical time, wasn't it? The time when they found Tutankhamun's tomb and it was just this um, otherworldy, wasn't it? And I suppose that's what people are attracted to. And then when you go to Egypt and you see the pyramids and you've got people throwing bits of tat at you, I was like, oh dear, this isn't what I imagined. (laughs) Were you the same?
1: There's no way of saying this, Properly, but the first time I ever went to Egypt, after studying it at university for several years and being obsessed with it, there'd actually been, um, uh, I th- it was in the uh, late 90s, and there'd been a, um, a terrorist attack just before. Um, so we'd gone a sort of against government advice that had gone anyway. And um, we were literally, there was no tourists where we were in Luxor, where we were. Um, and it was really heartrending, obviously. We had friends in Egypt and, you know, they were really, really suffering. But it gave a really weird experience um, and a, a very privileged, for me, experience. But just to go around these places and there to be nobody there. I mean, it's, it's like all those videos you see of uh, early lockdown when people are in London and taking pictures of Oxford Street or Oxford Circus, no one there. It's eerie, um, but it gave me a, a real chance to to look at things in a way that, um you normally know don't have time to do that. yeah
0: how, how wonderful and you know in in a way i'm so pleased that someone like yourself who was is so invested had that opportunity because i've i've only been twice but i found it overwhelming in terms of the tourists and they it took the shine off the enjoyment sadly which which happens with these sort of things doesn't it so imagine you know you your first experience was in this crazy time but you got to sort of immerse yourself in it is which must have been very magical i imagine
1: yeah it was a bit obviously tinged with that sadness um I, I think it was sort of 20 tourists had been killed the week before it was a it was a really really horrible time but you know um we were there and It was just a chance to talk to people and or talk to the people who lived there and get to know people in a way that again, you wouldn't get the chance to do because they're so busy, you know, like looking after other tourists and things it's, it was, it was extraordinary really.
0: Yeah. What an incredible opportunity. I I mean, it's, it's like the 28 days later thing, isn't it? You just want everything to be on hold for a little bit so you can just go, go explore. So how did you get from Egyptian history to folds in the art deco world into that interest into loving london and you know we we had a great chat about the the iconic women of that era and how influential they are to us how did that come or had you always had a feign interest in that sort of world as
1: well um i think i'd always been i mean I very biased but i i can't see how you can fail to like for instance art deco architecture um it's just beautiful and i uh, obviously grew up watching things like for instance and again you sort of get sucked into that world um and it's, it's things like that so I just really started to get interested in that period of the 20s and 30s my grandparents got m- uh, married at that time and they had lots of um uh, wedding gifts from the early 20s and I so I grew up with this beautiful stuff around me my grandmother was a jewel a jeweler in the 1920s and 30s and um, so she had beautiful uh not, not hugely expensive, you know, I wasn't saying we were dripping in diamonds, but she had gorgeous stuff and they were very period. So it's always something I've been really uh, just felt drawn to. Um, and then after finishing my undergraduate, I did a master's in uh, museum management. Um, and then I realised that I was so badly paid, I couldn't work in that industry. I literally could not afford to work in that industry. So I went into other things and then, sort of, I was sort of cruising to my mid thirties, and I thought, I really want to go back and do history again. So um, I started thinking about history and what I liked. And it was a time; it was the 2010s. Vintage was huge, like absolutely everyone was dressing up. It was huge, huge, huge. So I sort of fell into that world. Um, and rather than just, I can't just do my hair, I have to lecture everyone about how to do it. So we were doing workshops, teaching people, and me and two other girls were teaching people how to curl their hair, how to do eyeliner flicks, you know, that beautiful, bold lipstick. And I was the boring one, because I'm a bit uh, cack-handed, so um, <laughs> I wasn't very good at doing other people's makeup, so I would stand there and tell them, <laughs> I, I you know, interpret what we're doing for them, but actually it was like boring the living hell they (laughs) were just there it was a hen party they just wanted to drink and have nice red lipstick and i was like by the way did you know how this lipstick was made and this interesting shape and they were like yeah
0: (laughs) i'd have found that fascinating and if you could just pass me the prosecco yeah (laughs) Amazing, but it is—it is such a time, and it's—it's it's so important, even now, isn't it? We we see it everywhere. There's that new film coming out, Babylon. You know, with Margot Robbie. That is this twenties extravaganza, which is probably going to be one of the biggest films next year. Um, it's so popular and so magical and so gorgeous, and people just dip into it all the time, don't they? Whether that's architecture, music, film, fashion, makeup, like you were saying why do you think there is this longevity and this love is it just because it is all so beautiful let's be honest
1: i mean obviously it is beautiful there is obviously it's a period of uh, lots of hardship as well uh the 20s and 30s we are you know it's bridging it's the uh time between two world wars there's a depression there's the spanish flu you know influenza there's a pandemic war uh poverty all of these sorts of things there is a huge huge uh very serious side to it, which I do often touch on. But not <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's it's not a period of all just glitz and glamour, but the glitz and glamour that there are is just intoxicating. It's a period of innovation, technical innovation. People are really pushing the boundaries of of what they can do um, and making things gorgeous for gorgeous sake. I I sometimes fear that not fear, but I you know I sometimes think about the stuff that we have today and i'm not the type of person that looks back into the past and wants to live there but sometimes i just think there's a, a little lack of making things gorgeous for gorgeous sake and that's what i really appreciate about the hotsy totsies is that oh. you do that you know you you want things to be gorgeous you're doing something uh wonderful as well but in lovely places and i think that's great thank
0: you i just think you know what we're living in one of the best cities in the world arguably the best city in the world with all these magical nooks and crannies that has got all this history and all this why why are we not exploring it that's that's how i think and i think everybody likes a bit of decadence and and nice things don't they and i think that is exactly what you said that is intoxicating it's what appeals in such a big way and that's why people gravitate towards it that's why you know people have the gatsby parties people have the the dress up i think it's it's wonderful and for women especially that time was so important because it was the first time that they could have that freedom and say, you know what, fuck you a little bit. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to sleep with who I like. I'm going to drink alcohol. I'm going to party, and I'm going to I'm going to not care. Um, the repercussions of that felt, <laughs> perhaps, felt at a later date when they were back to the stepford stepford wife vibes. But you know, at that time, it was it was magical, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, there was there was opportunities. I mean, it, again, a lot of those opportunities were for people who had money anyway, who came from good backgrounds. Um, but yes, I mean, there, there was just more of everything in terms of what you could do and what was open to people. Um, and I think that is a really interesting time again, you know, just seeing people, uh, explore, especially women, uh, exploring the world of work, exploring boundaries, exploring what is open to them. Um, and what's close to them as well. I mean, obviously, it's, it's not just that everyone woke up one day in 1922, and it was just like, let's go crazy. But you know, it's, it's just watching those things. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just find that that coupled with the intoxicating beauty of everything. It's, it's a complex time. I mean, and you can, you can delve into it as much or as little as you want.
0: Exactly. And it was tough. It was absolutely tough. But my God, they, when they parted, they parted and they did it well, didn't they? God love them. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about the Art Deco Society, which I'm a mem- very proud member of. I love it. I think it's wonderful. Um, how often, How long sorry, have you been involved with it? Uh, and now you're a chair. What does that entail?
1: So the Art Deco Society UK, because there are art deco... Oh, yes. Sorry. There's loads, isn't the world. there? Oh, yeah, there's loads. And they're all under the umbrella of the International Coalition of Art Deco Societies which is a great organization to keep your eye out on if you travel and you're interested in Art Deco. um, So the Art Deco Society UK um, started in 2019, um, and um, I've been involved since then. Um, So I was one of the founder members of it, but not involved right at the beginning. They very kindly allowed me to have that founder member status when I sort of nuzzled my way in. (laughs) and done all the hard work. Um, And I was their treasurer for a couple of years. um, And then... um, uh, became chair uh, in September of this year 2022 um, and yeah so at the moment that involves um, well one of the things about the Art Deco Society is we started just before the pandemic hit so we never really hit our stride um, and then everything was closed and um, so now we're uh during the pandemic we put on lots of online events um and that was kind of our focus obviously was online so now you know uh 2022 late 2022 we're thinking about what we can do um what we want to do what we want to be um and yeah it's it's weird starting something and then having to power it down straight away it takes a little bit of time to sort of work that out. Um, so that's what we're doing at the moment. Lots of meetings, lots of discussion about preservation. So we have a preservation committee, we do events, uh, we have a, a, a monthly newsletter. So lots going on. But again, what our place places in that world is, is the thing we're talking about now.
0: Yeah, and it's such a wonderful organisation. When you know we get a lot of newsletters, don't you? But the Art Deco site, when I always sit down and read, and it's so interesting. And and it's 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 a bit of everything, isn't it? There's architecture in there. There's, there's cultural history. There's fashion. There's you do so many different things, and it's wonderful. So anybody listening, get involved, join. It's very good value, isn't it, to join? So you know, get involved as much as you can. So tell us what your plans are then for next year. Have you got a lot of talks, a lot of workshops on what's going on?
1: So next year is pretty much dedicated to writing my next book which is a book about the element uranium so the date that's seared on my brain is the 30th of June 2023 when I have to get this really good draft to my publishers that's that's the deadline and then we'll work on we'll edit it uh, towards the end of the year um so yeah so there's that um I'm also uh I do lots of talks for the New York Adventure Club um, so I'll have talks with them throughout the year. That's a, um, an online community. They're, they're based in New York, but they do virtual webinars every, almost every day. So I'll do lots of talks with them. Uh, I've got a chapter for a, a, a book about science, history of science that I'm going to be working on and, and writing as well. And this is where I start freaking out looking at my to-do list. But there is a lot of good stuff happening.
0: Amazing. You know what, I was in New York recently and I looked up the New York Adventure Club based on your um, newsletter. And there's so much going on. I could have done something every day. They're incredible, aren't they? Such a wonderful organisation. And good luck with the book. That sounds incredible. So when is it out?
1: Sorry, Lucy. Sometime in 2024. I don't have a release date yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> you like, <laughs> sometime? Yeah, I love that. All I know is I've got to get it to them in June 23. And then it's gone. We've said 2024. I mean, so much is dependent on so many things um yeah I mean the, the first book I wrote um I finished in March 2020 and it came out in June 2020 the the it was a really short time I mean mostly because I kept putting back the deadline <laughs> until i really really got it to the last minute and then obviously all the libraries closed um everything closed and I was sort of trying to finish a book with no access to any of the things I needed. So we took it right down to the wire and as la- last minute as we could before, I mean, it was probably literally being, I don't know how they, they got it to the printers like at the last second. And then and then the thing was, is they got it in, it was all printed and stuff, but no shops were open,
0: so. <laughs> Does anyone want a book? Yeah, you're outside outside. I mean, it's, it's a funny time, wasn't it? It was a very interesting, so this experience might be completely different. Yes. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can't wait, honestly, and and for people that are out there going, I would love a bit of Lucy. Do you know she? Honestly, you were so incredible at our event. I can't even tell you. People are still talking about when are we going to get you back. But I haven't broached you because I know you're a bit busy. But I will. You'll get the email when we're all to sleep Um. How can get people get in touch with you? How can people find you?
1: Um, so I have a website, um, and that has articles um, and bits and pieces, lists of my events that I'm doing. Um, I do have a newsletter, which goes out very irregularly. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean as is life as is and i i have promised myself that i will do that better in 2023 because i think i rely on social media a lot more and you know twitter's sort of uh not as much fun anymore and uh so i'm doing less of that now so i need to ramp up the other stuff and so that's that's sort of where i am um again on my to-do list is write more articles for the website. Um I was thinking about uh, actually going back to blogging. Like I've got an urge. I don't know if I'm feeling nostalgic but blog my day or something
0: because you know we, we forget, don't we? Like on social media we don't own any of this. Like if, if Facebook or Instagram or Twitter which it has done fall off a cliff, we've got nothing whereas the only thing we really truly own are is, is our database and our website. So really we should be putting everything into that like so do the articles do the blogs definitely send the newsletters easier said than done I totally appreciate (laughs) yes and I think we all have that on our January to-do list don't we (laughs) send a monthly newsletter and then it gets to June and you're like oh haven't done any but never mind
1: you start self-doubting as well don't you you. very easy would anyone want to hear it am I annoying people
0: absolutely and it's like you press the send button don't you and it goes out into the ether and then nothing (laughs) you're just like Oh, okay. But you know what, though? I Years and years ago, I had this woman contact me and she said, I have been getting your newsletter for two and a half years and I'm ready to work with you now. And I was like, I don't even know who you are. But, you know, it's, it's weird because you don't, people don't tell you they're reading it do they it's it's a, it can feel like a thankless task but I'm sure I would read it Lucy so please thank do it you. I would like that thank you so much for taking the time to to join me I I think you're wonderful you're so inspiring and I really hope we can do some hotsy-totsy stuff together again I would utterly love that um and have the most if this, this will probably go out after Christmas but I hope you have a most wonderful Christmas and all the luck and love for the book and everything for the new year
1: thank you so much Karen it's lovely to be here and talk to the hotsey totsies, who I love. The oh, people. brilliant.
0: Well, we'll get you. We're gonna get you back for shizzle. <laughs> Take care, my love. Thank you.
1: Thanks,
0: bye. Hello, welcome. I am so chuffed to be joined by one of our incredible hotsey totsiers and an incredible woman to boot, Dr. Kath. Kath Spencer Smith, sorry, I just call you Dr. Kath, um, who is a very inspiring woman all around really you know a doctor a sports doctor and you help private practices to mold themselves to get bigger tell us about what you do with private practice ninja <laughs> yes <so laughs> I did a ninja move but no one can did. see it's it it's a no really way.
2: good one you, you are a ninja at heart right Thanks. so um so <laughs> so yeah. Essentially, we're um practice ninja is a it's a kind of something that's grown out of a necessity. So uh, a few years ago, I I got myself made redundant because I didn't like a slightly unethical company that I was working for, which might surprise you, given that I'm working in the world of health. And so I got myself sacked, basically, because I stood up to the nasty CEO. And then, like... In in many other situations in life, suddenly you find yourself, oh, my goodness, I suddenly need to earn a lot of money very, very quickly. So um, I I work as a clinician in the world of sports medicine, so I look after Olympians and athletes and people who generally mash themselves at weekends. And I had to suddenly grow my own practice from scratch because I was locked out of this organisation. So I managed to do it in three months. And people said, oh, my goodness, how did you do that? And and it became, well, could you help me with that scenario? And eventually I thought, do you know what? People are asking for this. So we've built a company and now we are effectively like a marketing agency for clinicians, so doctors, surgeons, physios, osteos, podiatrists. We're in private practice. We help the people who help the people.
0: Incredible. And is that your main focus now is that sort of taken over as the main role yes yes.
2: so I still do a little bit of doctoring on the side uh because my athletes say I have to <laughs> um, and uh, sort of the majority of my week now is is with my husband so I dragged him out of his corporate role to work in the company as well so he works doing videography and tech and GDPR and things like that all that kind of techie stuff that people need to run their practice and we go around hospitals filming surgeons in operating theatres and fun things like that and uh, yeah so he's on board
0: as well. Well I've got a lot of questions about working with husbands so but we'll come to that. Um, Brave I think is the overarching (laughs) thinking. Um, So how was that because you know I I work with a lot of, of female business owners predominantly and so many stories start with I was made redundant, or I couldn't go back to work after children, or there was a roadblock that I just couldn't enter or carry on with my career, so I had to start my own thing. And it's so inspiring, rageful, that this has to happen, Um, but how long did it take you to sort of go, oh shit, dust yourself off? And like, I have still to pay for, I have to get on with this. So uh,
2: I, some people would, would think I was a bit mad, really, because, you know, I was the biggest earner in this company of clinicians and uh, and it just got to, to the head one day and I just thought, I can't do this ethically. this company is just doing all this bad stuff. And uh, and so without planning something, what would the sensible thing, right, would have been in, in place, would have been to say, right, I'm going to, you know, move 10 miles up the road or something like that. But no, be me. <laughs> off with my head and uh, I gave myself 24 hours of sobbing in the toilet and saying oh what have I done um so like right here we go then what are we going to do let's just crack on and do this and uh, fear fear is a good inspire isn't it of action right (laughs) and also it was it was something that I probably wanted to do in the background and to be honest had I not had given myself that kick up the bum it probably would have taken a decade to get around to doing it yeah
0: I think a kick up the bum is what we all need a lot of the time sadly isn't it it's circumstance where we're like we've got to pay the mortgage next month and this isn't happening if I, <laughs> if I don't go out there and do something quite spectacular and look what's happened it's like developed into this niche that you never thought was needed I imagine it's 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 amazing isn't it that's right that's right and so as well as helping people kind of do it done for you stuff we also
2: have an academy as well so for people who are at the beginning of their journey and you know don't really have the kind of big funds to, to pay for someone to write copy and build a website and video them etc we we have this academy and, and that was started out of necessity as well because during lockdown um uh my husband was in hospital for a month and and i was on my own and the lovely cheryl ladle who's also tootsie Toxi we thought let's let's do a kind of zoom session each week for, for clinicians in in private practice because she and i work a lot together and so we did 22 of these every wednesday evening sessions And then that became the Ninja Academy because people said, oh, we like this. Keep it going, please. Um, So now we have all kinds of people who join and uh, we keep it a bit tight so that, um, you know, all the voices get heard within it. And that's just been great fun. I love that. That's almost the best bit of this, actually.
0: It's wonderful isn't it because you created a, a community and you know especially during lockdown when people were so isolated in terms both like physically and mentally weren't we were not we we were a bit like oh god i feel so alone to create this network where people could dip in and, and ask the questions and get the help and get the support is it's about val- so valuable wasn't it and it's so wonderful that you saw that need again and, and created that and people f- flocked to it and it's still going strong <laughs>
2: it's still going strong we still have some people some of the founding members about half of our community have been with us now for over
0: two years so it was great that's amazing and and what so obviously I'm not in this world this medical world but what's the issues that what do people come to you with and go you know is it just that it's not 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 getting enough patients they're not getting enough referrals are they not being seen enough you know how do What's the biggest gripes that people have and that you can help with? So at the beginning of
2: their journey, there's lots of problems that are to do with not understanding about how private practice works or the, or the logistics of setting up stuff. So, and that's stuff that you know, we saw quite quickly. But that just like anybody else who's effectively got a business, you, you, most people aren't taught from you know, in school how to run a business and certainly clinicians aren't. And clinicians, excuse me, are crap at marketing themselves because they, they think it's disgusting and distasteful and let alone talk about money and patients. And so we have to sort of bring them up the shell a little bit and explain that, you know, it's not about you. It's about value that you can bring to patients and, and just generally getting them out of themselves in terms of worrying about what their peers are going to think about. But most of all, it's about will I look at Pratt in front of my peers is the biggest fundamental issue that clinicians have in marketing themselves.
0: I bet, and I think I can. I think we can understand that across the board, can't we? Because when you're hiding, not hiding—I don't mean hiding—but when you're working for a bigger brand, you're under that umbrella, aren't you? Whereas when you are um, on your own with your name above the door, it's so cringe, isn't it? And I I remember like launching my very first website and being like, "Oh God, everybody I know is going to see it." And actually, no one's looking. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like I was bigging myself up a bit too much to be honest with you. But it is that awkwardness, isn't it? Of it's exposure and it's vulnerability and people can judge you and when that's not your world that must be very daunting I imagine especially someone that is very very uber professional
2: yeah and a lot of the I'll call them the young boy surgeons I'll just I'll pick on them for a moment um they're, they're always worried about what their their previous you know sort of trainers were so when they go through you know all their surgery training they usually train with some of the greats and then they're worried that they're going to show up and he thinks oh what's, what's my old boss going to think and and the reality is is that the vast majority of the time, A, they, they don't care because they're just so into their own things, or, or B, they actually think, this is great, you know, you, you're coming along and joining the world private, private, private practice. So there can be some sort of squabbling and nonsense, but most of it's in people's heads, it's not reality. And most of the time, people are delighted to have colleagues who are also in private practice because that gives someone else that they can own to, right, <laughs> so, about hospitals and patients... <laughs>
0: or that somebody the, the, who's like maybe i don't know a year ahead in the game that they can sort of learn from but yeah totally and i think we're so built that we're wired aren't we for negativity um and we're gonna just everyone's gonna take the piss and everyone's gonna like look at us and go well, what are they doing when actually nine out of ten people are just happy for you or they don't care it's one or the other exactly. isn't it exactly. really
2: it's so
0: true. amazing well what you've created is in- incredible but getting the husband involved <laughs> Brave move. How how has that gone? <laughs> it's really good, you know. I'm I'm sat here talking to you on a long
2: bench table. So normally he would be sat by my side, and we actually work side by side during the day. We're all sort of plugged in together, oh. and uh, it, it works really well. And he's got a sort of set of skills, and I've got a set of skills, and and obviously we know each other very well. normally you would think that's a recipe for disaster, right? Because you'd squabble, or or, or you spend your whole day just talking about business and and not nothing anything else. But actually. It works really well, and uh, we've done a few things along the way to make sure that it does work a bit better. So, recently, we did this thing called Colby A. I don't know if you've heard of that, which is one of those. It's not a personality test. It's a test to do with um, kind of how you sort of make decisions and go about um, kind of things in your your business. And... um, and there are sort of different types. So, for example, I'm, I'm very much what's called a quick start, which basically means like, next, new shiny thing, moving on, quick, start a new project. <laughs> yep, that's me. It, and he's more, <laughs> exactly, and he's much more of a fact finder, which is like, hang on a minute. Um, so, in my world, I think of him as being a killjoy. And in his world, he's like, for God's sake, wife, why, why can't you just finish a damn project before you move on to the next thing? Um, <laughs> and going through some of those processes has been really helpful in teaching us to have kind of little boundaries. So there's certain circumstances where I have to stop and listen to
0: him and other circumstances where he's not allowed to reign on my parade. So. <laughs> so it's, but then it's almost like it's not you saying to him, you're really annoying because you're doing this. It's almost science has told you these are your traits respect them please and you know maybe i'm not as thorough as you because you want to spend bloody ages on something whereas (laughs) i'm on to the next thing but it's it's that respectful so isn't that a wonderful thing and was that a mutual decision to do that together to sort of learn a little bit about yourselves or yes exactly yeah
2: and i and i heard about it from being part of a sort of mastermind group and i thought oh that sounds really good to do and and now when someone else joins ninja then we, we ask them to do it as well so we really understand where they are and i think going forwards a different roles we want fulfilled we'll, we'll ask people to do a colby and then say yeah you fit or no actually you're just the same as me we don't want another
0: one like me <laughs> <laughs> we're all right thanks but it's interesting isn't it because even when from the the corporate days everybody works so differently don't they on different and we're meant to fit in these blooming boxes and people can't do that and they get punished for it or they get you know it's really ridiculous isn't it and archaic and i think learning our natural rhythms and our strengths and our weaknesses it's fine, isn't it? Because weaknesses are, can be a massive thing as well to know about and what people can fit the holes in other ways, can't they? So I think that's incredible. And what's the plan then at the minute? Are you growing the practices you're working with or what? what's the goals yeah, there? So we
2: really want to, especially going into this sort of next year and uh, this sort of time of austerity, which is... Oh, we could get into a whole conversation around that, couldn't we? And because um, I'm a thousand years old, so this is my third recession. I'll be working through. You know, bring it on. Um, and so, what we really want to do is uh, is help is help clinicians kind of is to not not panic and to be very forthright in coming forward to the marketing. so, we want to work with with people who particularly want to dive in with some nice, juicy, good web project, projects and and um, and um, just. Just also having people who who are very keen to get on camera because I'm obsessed with people doing video. I really want to see lots and lots of people making video, appearing on video, being being in socials on video because it's all that no like and trusting, isn't it? And uh, and nothing nothing converts a patient who's browsing on on a page into one who actually books an appointment more than video. So that's our particular mission next year is to
0: get lots more happy faces on the camera. I think that's great because I just feel. I mean, I don't know because I'm just speaking as a consumer, as a patient. It's so archaic. It's like the system, the booking, the the doctors are like alien, aren't they? But as if you can bring a face to it or a humanity or an authenticity, people would buy into that, surely. You know, they're like on board, aren't they? Cause it's like, you're in the, you know, you're back in the room, you're with us, you're in this technology. Whereas it's, some of them are just so behind and it really puts you off, doesn't it? It does. And I'm, my patients, like, when they see me in the corridor of the
2: person, they go, oh, look, you look just like you do on your website. Well, yeah. <laughs> I do, and it's not a photo from when I was at a wedding five five years ago. You know all that awful stuff that people do, but especially with the uh, strapless dresses, it always makes women look naked, doesn't it? When, they, when they're,
0: yes. they're like, "Oh, you've got you've, you've got, got your clothes on today." <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> well, then maybe you'll get different patients for that, yeah. won't you? <laughs> Okay, a different a different crowd, definitely. Exactly.
2: Yeah, so getting rid of all those awful headshots as well.
0: Yeah, I mean we all we're all guilty of having an old an old photo <laughs> and then people meet you and go, You look very tired compared to <laughs> compared to what you see. But you have been such a wonderful support of Hotsy Totsi and I am so thankful and grateful for, for all your support and coming to the events, etc. And and you know, Hotsy Totsy's aim is to celebrate and support women and the inspiration of that is obviously these incredible women in the nineteen twenties ilk of that era who were just doing their own thing walking their own walk and doing what the hell they liked and testing everything which i am in such admiration of which is why i love the fact that you just had that naked lunch light bulb moment and when i don't want to be here anymore this is not very ethical i'm off (laughs) you know and i'm going to just do i don't know what i'm going to do but i'm going to do something for myself but have you i mean obviously with your practice i imagine men and women you work with with both quite heavily um what have you had a lot of women role models throughout your career, or is it very male-heavy? You know, in that industry, or is it a bit of bit of both? Oh, it's so interesting, isn't it? It's uh, so I unfortunately I think I say
2: unfortunately with with the with a kind heart. Unfortunately, my, my most most of my male role models have been blokes actually, and uh, in the past I had one I had one lovely role model when I was a junior doctor. We're talking about thirty years ago now, and um, and she was a lovely lady. <laughs> Ten years ago, that was Liz. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> and she she was a lovely lady who was a geriatrician in the Holmepton Hospital years ago. Dr. Layman was her name. I hopefully she's still alive, and uh, and she was great. So she. Um, she used to smoke in her office, and uh, she was absolutely fantastic. She said, "Come in here, Kath, Come and sit down here. So, what are the boys being like with you? They're gits, aren't they? Just don't you worry. You'll be just fine, darling." And um, <laughs> um, but equally, there's been some bloody terrifying female role models in my life. And uh, in fact, a lovely colleague of mine called Nell Meach. She's a, an amazing powerhouse physio. We, we sort of do this this group with with brilliant female clinicians because we're determined to try and get some kind of normal role models in there as opposed to these scary people and I understand why they're scary in the sense that they you know presumably had to be do terrible things to get where they were originally and then they unfortunately just pulled the ladder up behind them and that's that's not what that's not cricket that's not how how it should be and and so we're determined to reach out and uh and kind of make connections with the with the, the the wee youngsters coming through now so that they they don't feel that they have to kind of have no role model or also have to behave like blokes for god's sake you know so much as we
0: love them yeah i think i mean it's awful i mean i worked in like the fashion industry and there were so many like laddie girls it was like oh you know and it was and it was expected, and they were almost worse than the alpha males in that world, cause they were like, we've got to prove ourselves, and like you say, they weren't holding the hand of the next generation coming up. They were almost terrifying them off, um, and that has to stop. You're absolutely right, and I think that's that's an education piece. It's a, it's an, you know, it's it's telling people this behavior is calling behavior out, isn't it, and explaining that you know you we're all in it together, and we you know, women need to support each other in it more than anything. Exactly, we're, we're natural collaborators. Yeah we're
2: not competitors we're collaborators and, and and people fear that collaboration is somehow giving giving it all away and absolutely not every time I meet a female clinician it's like oh how can we possibly work together you know because it because it takes a lot for somebody to you know bust past all the barriers let's face it I've not done breeding so I don't have offspring um, but I know how many how many times I hear people saying in females in private practice I can't do that because you know I've got got to get home at four o'clock and I go what well, great, finish your clinic at three, you know, it doesn't mean to say you can't have a fantastic five practice just because you feel like you have to fit into this small little NHS kind of puddle, as I call it, um, you know, and and never have, never have anything for yourself. So absolutely. So I'm all about helping those girls coming
0: through. Absolutely. And I so agree with that. I hate it when we had that rhetoric of you, you're productive because you sat at a bloody desk from nine to five. No, you're not, you know, and it's, it's just this archaic again isn't it this is institutional bollocks that we've been brought up with and actually you can do as a brilliant job in four hours that you could eight you know what i mean if you wanted to if you're that way out and i love that you know it's like i've got a kid i'm going to finish my clinic at three and but i'll maybe start at eight you know that's cool and people respect that and people understand that and it's almost weird when it's the old rhetoric still isn't it you know what i mean it's like oh okay and during lockdown, we were used
2: to seeing every every man, person, child, cat, dog, goat or whatever showing up on the Zooms. And, and there was a very interesting piece, I think perhaps you've seen it on LinkedIn this week, there's a woman saying... Unapologetically, you know, uh, if you want to book a client call with me, as it were, at four o'clock, my kids will be coming in the door, and I'll give them two moments of attention because it's my best part of my day. I'm not going to apologise. Yes, they'll be excited, and I'll get them a drink and settle them down on something to do whilst we're talking. And, and I thought it's actually fantastic. It's because you know the number of times that when we first went into lockdown, that I would have to scoop up Italian greyhounds and put them on my lap because it must talking to an athlete on Zoom. Well, they didn't mind. And then it all became a, I'll show me, you show me
0: yours, I'll show you mine kind of scenario. So I still asked to see people's pets on Zoom. Exactly. And I just I think lockdown was horrible, wasn't it? But it opened up so many um, avenues of acceptability. And people didn't care. People got in inside people's homes. They saw their kids. They saw their pets, you know, and they saw them not looking as they should, (laughs) you know. So it's opened up, hasn't it? This acceptance piece and authenticity. And people, love it i think you know i think everyone's forgiven and every nobody wants the polished stuff anymore i don't think it, it's they don't trust it and i certainly don't i don't know about you uh,
2: totally totally and i love it when that, when i see a, a patient in the background and they've got their knickers hanging on the dryer behind me because i think good on you because you know you didn't need to spend 10 minutes tightening up for me for god's sake
0: i've got knickers too <laughs> Totally, and it's just real. It's life, isn't it? It's like I don't trust when people are too polished. I'm like, what's going on here? There's something going on. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, Kathy, you are such a pleasure. I could talk to you all day. Um, tell us a bit about your plans for the future in terms of your private life. I know you have like your doggies, your complete gorgeous joys, aren't they? Are you getting more doggies? Are you happy with them? Are you extending the family? What's happening? Oh, you know. We, we recently had a fourth because
2: we were fostering one for six months and she's gone home now. And, and I'm still tempted to get another fourth, but I think my husband would kick me in the shins if he heard me saying that. Um, if I had my way, I would have a giant house and a big acreage and a, we'd just have all the Iggy's in the UK, Italian greyhounds in the UK could, could just come and stay weekends and have holidays. So, um, But now next on my list is uh, finding a property to buy in Bath so we can sell our London property and move them properly because we've, we've only been here a year now. So it's time to find, find a nest and uh, in the country... Oh, my God, how exciting. Still coming up to London. Yeah, still coming up for Hotsi Totsi, of
0: course. Exactly. You definitely are. You definitely are. And, like, Bath is so stunning as well. I mean, what what a move and what a lovely thing. And hats off that you can work side by side with your husband. Incredible scenes over there, definitely. But, Kath, thank you for everything and lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been
2: great fun. And everyone
0: out there, you should join Hotsy to absolutely the, the bomb, okay? A <laughs> lot. <laughs> Thank you so much, my love. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Hotsey Totsy podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Hotsey Totsy is a female only membership club for women who are walking their own walk and are spirited, fun, and fabulous to come together and enjoy a range of bespoke and exclusive events. Please do give us a follow on Instagram at Hotsey underscore and find out more on the Hotsey Totsy website, which is hotsey totsy.co.uk.